I'm Tim, and I want to welcome you to Hydrant Church Online as we worship together and continue to engage with the Word during this unusual time. We're so thankful for who you are as a church and the way that you invest and the way that you connect and fill and overflow to make a remarkable difference in our world. Today, I want to take us to a little different place as we are in an unusual season, a season where there is lots of divide and lots of uncertainty and lots of questions. And for many of us, if we're just honest, lots of pain, lots of struggle. You know, nearly 20 years ago, I went through something that, that nearly broke me. I had been married for three years at the time, and the the woman who had stood in front of family and friends and, and promised to love me for the rest of my life told me that she didn't love me and that maybe she never had and that she was leaving the next day. My world fell apart. So many things that we had built in life just began to crumble and and lots of people tried to understand and, and say nice things and, and help. But for the most part, unless someone had been in my shoes, unless someone had walked that journey with me, they didn't understand. They didn't have answers. And the answers they gave often made me feel worse instead of better. There were all kinds of emotions that were connected to what had happened there was sadness and grief and anger and bitterness and, and rage at times. All kinds of emotions. There was, there was one friend, a couple that, that made all the difference in my life during that time. And, and the truth is they didn't fix anything. They didn't solve anything and they didn't do a whole lot of anything for me. What they gave me was to see me. They would invite me over for dinner and let me talk about anything. Let me talk about what I was feeling and what I was going through and what was happening. And they would listen and they would acknowledge and they would be with me. Other times I could just come and, and hang out with them and have dinner and watch TV and never speak a word. But there... Their witnessing of my pain, their seeing me in that time, that acknowledgement made all the difference. It changed everything. It was healing for me. It shouldn't be surprising to us. Everything in creation is made up of atoms, these little relationships of energy that do crazy, unpredictable things. In fact, what we understand about atoms, the building blocks of everything that is, is that they act differently once they're observed. Once they're seen, things change. And there's something in all of us. There's something in all of us that longs to be seen. Longs to hear someone say to us, I see you as you are for who you are. All of your strengths and struggles, your ups and downs, I see you, I hear you, I know you, I'm with you. So much power in being seen and understood. And I mean, the truth is, so much of the violence in our world comes from people 
who don't feel seen, who feel unseen when there aren't jobs or education or options or the basics of life like food and water and, and health care, people get angry. Of course, people get angry. Of course, people feel hurt. It may end up, it may end up being expressed politically or, or society, in society. It may get expressed even structurally, but it starts as a deeply personal ache. A denial of this need within us to be seen. And we start to cry out, no one sees. No one sees just how unfair this is. No one sees just how alone I am. No one sees the injustice. No one sees the oppression. No one sees the exploitation. Someone is getting away with this and nobody is noticing Someone is getting away with the brutality. Someone is getting away with taking advantage of the system. Someone is getting away with it and no one is doing anything about it. The people who could stop it, either they don't see or they won't see. And this pain begins to escalate in us as we cry out, do you see this? Will you see me? Will you see my life? Will you see my story? Will you see my pain? Do you see what I'm going through? Do you see me? Often this obscurity, this inability, this invisibility is, ends in an attempt to blow up the system, to overthrow things as they are, to set things right. Of course it does. The, the Black Lives Movement has been a cry to be seen. Riots are a cry to be seen. Trump's election four years ago was a cry to be seen and a desire to, to blow up the system by people who felt like they were ignored. They felt like the politicians didn't see what was going on and something had to change. And there is this pain in invisibility, this pain in not being seen that, that is so painful that it turns into anger and turns outward. I mean, that's what all hurt does. Hurting people are the very ones who end up hurting others to try to be seen, known, and find healing. There's a story about this in Genesis chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, grab those, use your phone, a tablet, whatever works for you. And let's look up Genesis chapter 16. It begins this way. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. Just give you a, a little background. In Genesis chapter 12, we meet Abram and, and Sarai. And Abram is called out with his family to go to a new land. And, and God makes a promise to them that if you'll trust me, if you'll follow me, then I will give you children and I will give you land and I will give you everything that you need. I will give your life meaning and purpose and significance. And as he is on this journey, they run into all kinds of obstacles. And at this point, they've yet to have a child. If we continue to reading, it says, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. 
Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. And then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel came to her and said, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You're to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He'll raise his first his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. Or El Roy, the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Barid. So Hagar gave Abram a son and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old. When Ishmael was born, I find this story so remarkable because it's a, a story about people who feel unseen and a God who sees and hears. You have Sarai who feels unseen as a wife and unseen as, as one who is supposed to provide Abram an heir, unseen even by her husband and her servant. And the hurt and the, and the anger gets pointed toward Hagar, who, who, who herself feels unseen. Maybe you noticed in the reading that neither Abram nor Sarah ever call Hagar by name in this story. She's simply the servant or the servant girl until the angel of the Lord speaks and calls her by name. He calls out to her by name and sees her. It's really, it's really interesting how God responds to Hagar. He responds to this, this one who feels unseen and unheard. She felt the uh, abuse of Sarah and had responded with 
contempt and anger and hurt her even more. And then she eventually runs away feeling powerless and hopeless and helpless. She runs. So many of us, when we see, when we feel unseen, we fight or we flight. We run or we rebel. And when we feel unseen, it, it's so powerless and it feels so hopeless and helpless. But then she meets someone there in the desert. And it's a God who sees her and hears her. He tells her to name her son Ishmael, the God who hears me, because he has heard her cry. And she calls him Elroy, the God who sees me. He says, I've seen the one who sees me. God as he interacts with her, he doesn't deny her pain or her situation. He doesn't try to, to say it's not real or it's not that bad or it could be worse. Or he doesn't try to, to excuse it and say, well, you know, this is what you did or this is why it happened or, or this is what you should have done differently. He doesn't excuse it. He doesn't justify Sarah's behavior doesn't justify Hagar's behavior. He just sees her. He, he hears her. He notices her in the desert when she has run away, been pushed away. And in the midst of that dark moment of feeling completely unseen, God sees her. He acknowledges her plight, her struggle. He says, I know you're pregnant. And I know the battles your son is going to face. And he sees her. Maybe for some of us, we're in the midst of a season where we feel unseen. We feel like, like the, the country around us doesn't see us or value us as human beings. Maybe it's because of our faith. We feel unseen and unvalued and written off and marginalized. Maybe it's because of the, the color of our skin or our gender. We feel unseen, unheard, unvalued in the culture around us, and it hurts and it cries out in pain. Maybe we're in a marriage where we feel unseen by our spouse. Maybe as children, teenagers, we feel unseen by our parents or our teachers or our peers. Maybe we feel unseen in the work we do. We're, we're working, but we can't seem to get ahead. We feel unseen. And the truth that we find in Genesis chapter 16 is that we have a God who sees us. We have a God who sees you right now in the depth of pain, in the depth of frustration, in the depth of loss, God sees you. He hears you. He knows what you're going through. And the first thing for any of us to do is to see the God who sees us. We can spend all of our energy and all of our anger and all of our pain trying to get the world around us to see us, to acknowledge us, to notice us, to value us, to appreciate us. And we fail to see that all along there is a God who is cheering us on, a God who is calling out our name, a God who sees us and knows us. And we have yet to turn our eyes toward him. 
We've yet to find our value in Him, to find our importance in Him, to find our strength in Him. The first thing that any of us needs to do is to recognize that we have a God who sees us, who notices us, who acknowledges our pain, who enters into that pain with us. A God who is with us in the darkness and pain and anger, and He sees us. He sees you. There's something remarkably healing about simply being seen, about our pain being witnessed to. And so He sees you. The second thing that we need to do is to let others see us. Sometimes that means speaking out. It means standing up for those who are around us who are unseen. But in our relationships, many of us are hiding. We're hiding who we really are. We're hiding what we feel. We're hiding what we experience. We're not letting people in. We're not letting people see us. We're not allowing ourselves permission to take up space in the world. We belittle ourselves before anyone else gets an opportunity to. It's vulnerable and scary to be seen. It is vulnerable and scary to be heard. It is vulnerable and, and scary to speak out to those we love, to let them really see us and know us, to hear our fears and our dreams, our struggles, our hopes. But we are made to be seen, made to be connected to one another. And so we have to not only see the God who sees us, but we have to let others see us. And then the third is to see and hear others. See, some of us are, are really distracted by our own pain or disillusion, our own frustration, our own need for control right now, our own need to make things happen the way that we think they should happen, our need to make the government act the way we think it should act, our need to make the world turn out the way we think it should turn out. And we've stopped seeing each other. Our world, our country is more divided than any time in the last century. We are more separated. There are more people who feel unseen, excluded, and afraid to be seen. And it's time for us to see one another, to hear one another, but not, not so we can deny their experience is real or legitimate or as they've experienced it. Not so we can excuse what's happened to someone else or to ourselves. Not so that we can justify it and not even so that we can fix someone else's opinion or fix them. We just need to see and hear to be witnesses to one another's pain and frustration and disappointment. To be witnesses to one another's thoughts and experiences so that we can find healing together. There are people all around you who think differently than you, believe differently than you, who've experienced things that you've never experienced and I've never experienced. 
But we are in this world together, in this place together, in these neighborhoods together, in these communities together, and we need to start seeing one another, especially those who don't feel like they have enough to make it, especially those who are hungry and thirsty, those who who have been denied education and opportunity to stand with those who feel like they have been marginalized for their faith or the color of their skin or their gender or their their sexual orientation or for any other reason. We stand and we see one another. Listen, of course, of course you feel a bit overwhelmed. Of course you feel a bit invisible. Of course you feel some fear. Of course, feel disappointed. Of course, there's confusion and this feeling of being at a loss of what to do. Of course, there's pain. This is, this is life. Life is struggle. But it's all engineered for our growth, for our connection, to, to make us who we were created to be so that we could glorify God with everything that we do. Allow yourself to see the God who sees you, to let others see you, and to let that turn you toward your neighbors, your enemies, those you disagree with, those who make you angry, those who disappoint you, and to see them and hear them. In all of our pain, we have a God who sees us. In all of our confusion and uncertainty and fear, we have a God who sees us. God sees you today. And he sends you out to see and hear and love one another. Let's pray. Father, you are good and faithful. And we feel so many things. And many of us over the next week, are going are gonna to be hit with moments of fear or anxiety, disappointment. It's going to be a struggle at times. We're not going to know what to think or what to do. But in the midst of that, God, will you suppress those instincts to fight or flight, to run or rebel, and to, to simply sit and be in your presence, to let you see us, to let others see us as we are, in all of those feelings, and then to see and hear one another in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.